Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special mom in your life. And what better way than with the Osea's limited edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets that are perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their advanced eye care duo brightens, awakens, and firms the skin around your eyes, while the golden glow body trio nourishes and smooths the skin all over. Both sets are packaged in giftable boxes. They're so beautiful you can skip the wrapping. And the best part? For a limited time, you can save up to $46 on Osea's sets. Plus, get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. This Mother's Day, get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. Go to OseaMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off site-wide. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. A ton to get to today on the GM Shuffle. What the hell's going on with the New England Patriots? The Bucks beat the Raiders by 25 as Tom Brady and company were rolling. Plus, we called it Steelers and Titans, a close one, as a tying field goal from Guskowski does not go their way. Plus, the Saints get the win despite the Panthers being down their top two wide receivers. All that more coming up. But first, you know we're huge Sopranos fans, but of course also... Yeah, listen, Jersey guys here, Springsteen, are you kidding me? Letter to you, new album is out, documentary is out, love the new single, Power Prayer. I want to mention this to you, Mike. I'm watching Bruce on Colbert, and he said, do you ever listen to your album start to finish? He said, yeah, 45th anniversary of Born to Run. My buddy and I went to Asbury Park, went down Kingsley Avenue, Stone Pony, Convention Hall, Westland Branch, and just as Jungle Land was starting, I got to the house where I wrote all the songs to Born to Run. Isn't that pretty cool? When you think about nostalgia, all of us get a little nostalgic, even Bruce. I mean, that's really kind of remarkable. And and, and I, the thing I think that remind Bruce is so... Um, is how he's able to write. You know, I was talking to Jewel, the singer-songwriter once, and, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Jewel fan, and she was dating, I think, at the time, Charlie Whitehurst. So I, I was in Vegas, and I got to go to one of her concerts, and Charlie was there, and we were all talking, and after the... Actually, we were sitting out by the pool, and I said to her, and she said, you know, the amazing thing about songwriters is that after you get to a certain point in your life, you you really can't write songs. Billy Joel at age forty three, you know, when he wrote uh, "These Are My Famous," the famous last words that song. These are the last words I have to say. That's the last song he ever wrote at forty three, and he felt like he couldn't write anymore. And then you know, she was saying that why is it that great novelists are always better in their fifties and sixties if they last and they don't commit suicide, or in their fifties, sixties, and seventies, and yet singer songwriters weed out and Springsteen's truly the exception because he's able to he's really a novelist right that writes songs I mean his interest is in words not chords and the power of his music it's related to the time and how he expresses himself and you know there was a great article David Brooks one of the great writers uh wrote a column about this album and he talks about Springsteen you know um uh, 
what this album meant and how he was really, and if you watch Letters to You on on Apple, it's really kind of like a tribute to his guys. And Springsteen says to him, he says, you know, when you're young, you believe the world changes faster than it does. It does change, but it's ultimately slow. You could learn to accept the world on its terms without giving up a belief that you can change the world. That's successful adulthood, the maturation of your thought process, very good soul to the point where you understand the limits of life without giving up on its possibilities. What a great line, the limits of life without giving up on the great possibilities. I mean, that that's truly what it is as you grow older. Remember, there's an old saying that says, you know, if I could live life backwards, it would be a great life. And that's truly what he's saying. And so I think that's why the power of his words and his ability to write these words is just uncanny. It's, and I, I think all of it comes from John Landau telling him, Bruce, if you want to be a great songwriter, you got to read a lot of books. That's pretty cool. That's great advice for any songwriters out there. Letter to you, new Springsteen album, as Mike said, all the documentaries also on Apple Plus. It's like a national holiday here in Jersey when Bruce gives you some new material. Yeah, you know, and I can't wait. Next month, I'm going up to this restaurant in, uh, I think it's called Marble. It's kind of right north of where, kind of where he grew up. So I'm going to hopefully do the tour of, I've never really done the Asbury Park Freehold Tour, which I really want to do. I want to go to Randolph Street and do all that. But what's what's remarkable is the dude still lives here. It's kind of a little bit, have you seen, have you watched uh, the David Letterman, uh, my next guest? I, I love the show. My wife was watching a little bit of it. I, I haven't seen the latest season. The Dave Chappelle thing's fabulous. I mean, the guy still lives in this little town that he grew up in. <laughs> Like he still lives there, you know? I mean, actually, Kim Kardashian was amazing. Like I, I was like, became a fan of, of that, you know? So, but my point here is how Springsteen, I mean, he posted a picture the other day and, and, you know, I got this fire pit on the back of my lawn that my man, Bill and I, and Millie and Anissa, we all sit around and we have a fire. We stink after we're done with it because we got, you know, it's like we've been through the fire and I see Springsteen sitting out by the fire in Jersey and I'm like, yeah, there, there's a connection. I got it. I'm good. <laughs> You're right. You think you have like, you know, he's living in Beverly Hills Mansion. I'm like, nope, still in Jersey, still living the life, living the good life. Um, they got the band back together again there, the E Street Band, Letter to You. The Patriots need to get the band back together again because the winning ways have fallen away. What the hell's going on in New England? 33 to 6. The Pats got drilled against the 49ers, outplayed, outcoached, out everything. Patriots have thrown three touchdown passes and 11 interceptions in their two and four start. That's the fewest TD passes in football. That's the most interceptions in football. And yes, everyone's going to say, how about Tom Brady? Well, in case you're curious, he's thrown 17 touchdown passes and four interceptions this season. But specific to the offense, Mike, 16 offensive plays the first half, fewest in any half under Bill Belichick. They're fewest since 1997. And Cam Newton, who Belichick was raving about previously, four of eight for 30 yards with two picks of the half. They held the ball for only seven and a half minutes. And in the end, he ended up getting benched for Jarrett Stidham with 13.20 left in the fourth quarter. What the hell's going on with New England? Well, I mean, they're not good. I mean, let's be real honest. I mean, they just are, you know, I don't know what's happened from the time they lost out at Seattle when Cam was throwing the ball fairly well out there to where he is now. I don't know if he's got something going on with his shoulder, but if you just watch the game as a late, he did not look like he was throwing the ball effectively. He's never looked comfortable to me. And he looks a little bit unsure of what he wants to do. He's almost like he's avoiding throwing an interception, and yet he does it. I mean, the first interception he throws that Fred Warner makes an incredible play on. Like, I don't even understand what he's trying to do there. You know, I, and I think he's playing uh, with a sense of trepidation and caution. 
and he doesn't look good. And the whole team look doesn't look good. I mean, you watch the game. I watched it again this morning. I watched the coaches tape this morning. And defensively, they're slow on defense. They don't really rally to the ball. And when they're there, I thought it was one of the worst tackling games that they had all season. And so, you know, they got to go back out to the practice field. They have to get good before they get great. And one of the things you have to do when you're on a losing streak is you've got to be able to minimize your own mistakes. And if you don't, and especially a team that pays so much attention to ball security, creating turnovers, when you're giving the ball away like they are, it's this rapid rate, you're not going to beat anybody. And so they have to accept where they are. The first thing you got to do when you're a shitty team is accept who you are. And you got to go back to work and you're not going to be able to improve everything in just one day like this. There's no magic pill. It's not like I'm going to lose 50 pounds taking a diet pill, right? Like you got to go back and what, what Bill has to be able to do, and I'm sure he'll do this. He doesn't need advice from me is he's got to be able to put down on a piece of paper, the three or four things they got to get better at. You know, we got it. We can't turn this ball over. We got to set the edge on our defense. We got to tackle better. And we've got to be able to convert third down. So let's go to work on those four areas this week. Let's focus on those. Before we can even go play Buffalo, we got to win those four areas. And I think that's ultimately what you have to do. I mean, everybody's going to overreact. Everybody, and, and, it, and for right reason. I mean, they're not used to watching this team be this bad. But I think ultimately that's the only course you could take. And the first step is recognizing that you, you must improve. You must improve. And, you know, everybody wants you to change players, get a new receiver. Really, it's never that. It's always about making the ones you have play better. The stats are certainly damning, which is why you're right. There's going to be so much upheaval and so much consternation. Worst home loss in Belichick's 21-year tenure as coach, and the Pats have lost three games in a row. They had gone 286 straight games without a three-game losing streak. Going back to October of 02, longest span between three-game losing streaks in history. Take a listen to Bill Belichick's reaction to the tough loss at home. You know, didn't didn't do enough of anything tonight, really, to be competitive. Um, we were clearly out coached, outplayed, just out everything. So we need to just keep working here and find a way to just do everything better. There's no doubt that they were hit by the the COVID, and that's why they weren't able to practice. I totally get that. You know, they had whatever sixteen days and weren't practicing. But now this is a greater concern, as you said, Mike, because you said, "Okay, we're back together again. We got to fix this." And to lose in that kind of a fashion, thirty-three to six. I want to ask you more about Newton specifically. Like you said, you're going to look at various areas, whether it's you know third down conversions, offensive line, getting receiver help. But Newton specifically, the fact that Belichick benched him, and we all know Cam is a mercurial sort. How do you think he reacts to that? Because that, to me, is going to be very telling. Either he's going to be motivated by that and say, all right, yep, Bill was right to bench me. I wasn't great. Or uh, we've seen sulking, pouting Cam before as well. Like This could go sideways. Well, I mean, you know, the one good thing about when you play as shitty as he did is he knows it. You know, and I think he accepted responsibility for it. So, you know, I thought he was I thought he was going to bench him at halftime, frankly, the way he was throwing the ball. I mean, he's not throwing the ball like an NFL quarterback, at least that I've seen so far in the throws he's making. He's just not throwing the ball and he's not he doesn't look comfortable. And for some reason, he's like a golfer who's just shanking everything off the tee. I don't and I don't know if it's his footwork, if it's the mechanics, but he's got to get back to it. And look, I think everybody one thing about that build is everybody takes responsibility for their own work. This isn't, you can't point fingers because when, like Bill said in the in the little clip, we were outplayed. It, it really wasn't, the score was 33 to six, but it really wasn't that close. It could have been 53 to six. 
You know, it could have been a lot worse because they were never in the game. I mean, they, the only time they, they they made them punt is in the fourth quarter. They were getting 10 yards like a clip. It was no big deal. You know, th- third and 20 first down. You know, it was like, and I, and I think some of their really good players, I mean, Stephon Gilmore didn't cover Kittle very well in the game. They didn't cover well. I mean, this isn't a game where our defense is carrying us, man, and, you know, our offense is letting us down. No, 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 no. Nobody's carrying us. We're bad. And I think that's the hard thing. You know, when you have a team, when you're not playing well, you've got to build some area of strength somewhere. You've got to be like Seattle. Their offense is their strength. Their defense stinks. Washington, their defense is their... You've got to have a strength. Right now, right now, on October the 26th, happy birthday, Michelle. The That's my daughter-in-law, Michelle. It's her birthday today. When I said that date, it reminded me it's her birthday today. Uh, that... It is imperative that you create a strength. That's what Bill has to work on this week is finding a way to create some form of a strength within his team. And he doesn't have it. And defensively, as bad as they were offensively, and Cam, I'm not justified. Defensively, they were just as bad. They're tackling, their ability to come off blocks, their ability to make the play. They didn't set the edge the entire day, which is all they preached all week long playing Kyle Shannon. Set the edge, set the edge, and then they're getting around the corner. So they have a lot of work to do. No question about it. You can't talk Patriots without talking about Brady and the Buccaneers. You and I both said coming to the season, okay, there's definitely talent there. I want to see it. Feel like it's nine and seven ish. Well, so far, especially after yesterday's win against the Raiders, people are now really believing they're a legit contender. They're now five and two, and Tom Brady threw for 369 and four touchdowns, 559 passing touchdowns overall, surpassing Drew Brees for the most ever. Wasn't an error free performance. Defense is a little bit sluggish. They definitely don't come out great in the second half. You know, Carr still threw for 284. They went five for 13 on third downs with the Buccaneers now, Mike. People are going to start to believe this team. Take a listen to Brady on the Bucs game plan going forward. We had a decent day today and glad we won on the road, but none of it matters for next week. And um, there's a lot of football left to play. There's a lot of good football teams. Um, we just got to keep growing. Learn, you know, we got to learn each other and uh, continue to try to be more effective, more efficient. You know, that happens on the practice field, gaining trust in one another. And uh, we got we to gotta stay after it. Adam Amin, great call in the game for Fox. And the one thing that he said, Mike, and it sounds straightforward, but Brady in his career, 64% completion percentage this season so far, 64 completion percentage. Like at the age of 43, by the numbers, he hasn't lost a step and he's got those great weapons around him. You know, last night uh, watching him play, it was the first time in a while that I didn't feel like he was 43. He looked really young out there playing. Now, the Raiders had no pass rush, and we know this. The Raiders' defense is really bad. We understand that. And, you know, I know they beat Kansas City, but for, Kansas City was in a funk that day. The Raiders' defense struggles, and they can't really generate pass rush. And, and I think the secret to what Tampa, why they've been so effective in the last couple of weeks is their offensive line's playing really good right now. I mean, they're giving him time to throw the football. And now that he's got these weapons that are somewhat healthy, my man Bruce Arians has said that, you know, was not Tom's, Tom didn't push Antonio Brown in, that it was his decision to sign Antonio Brown because of the health of the team. So with that being said, you know, I I, I wonder, AD, do you think that since they, Bruce was never interested? Remember that report that Bruce said he's not interested? Do you remember that one? Yeah, he said he wasn't the guy, he wasn't interested. Very publicly he said that, yep. Yep, yeah. You know, it was reported all over the worldwide leaders said he wasn't interested, you know, and now he signs. They, they, everybody tried to make me out to be a fool like I was an idiot, right? And then, he, and then of course, they're going to sign Antonio Brown. So I wonder what they would have paid him 
if they were if they were interested in him. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, because if they're not interested, well, we're not interested, but we actually sign him. So imagine if they would have been interested, right? They would have paid. Oh, now you know we're we're going to sign you, but we're really not interested. But if we're interested, we would have probably given you ten million a year. I mean, seriously. But when they get him in there now, they they deactivated Lashawn McCoy for the game. Lashawn McCoy's done. They should just cut Lashawn McCoy. He's got no juice left in him. They're going to make Antonio Brown the inside receiver. And then watch, and as good as this offense played last night, watch it take off with him in there because he's becomes the matchup problem. That's going to be really hard. And once again, their defense sets the table for their offense. I mean, they turn the ball over. Derek Carr is an amazing player. He's he he ranks seventh in the league this past weekend in QBR rating, and his team got beat by 25 points. He's the ultimate guy who can put numbers up on a board, but yet can't beat good teams. Yeah, and that's frustrating because you watch that and go, hey, man, look at those numbers, look at this. But ultimately, like you said, what's it really going to matter? And ultimately for John Gruden, this was the John Gruden bowl. He coached the Raiders for seven years. He's coached the Bucks for seven years. People often identify him as a Bucks guy because he won the Super Bowl with Tony Dungy's players, but he's with the Raiders now. And here's what he had to say after the game. Well, we got to do a better job. It goes back to me. Uh, obviously, missing Abram and Arnett in the back end is tough on us. Um, but I'm not making any excuses. Uh, we did not get enough pass rush today. And if you don't let, if you let Tom Brady stand back there and survey the field, he's proven for 20 years, uh, and he proved it for 21 years that he's still one of the very, very best. They have an arsenal of weapons. It's a credit to them. But we have to generate a better rush. And uh, until we do, it's going to continue to be tough. And as Mike was alluding to there with the guards, Antonio Brown, here's a clip from way back when, when Mike predicted that Brown will be going to Tampa. Well, I mean, Bruce doesn't want to do it. That's fair. I would think that's fair to say. But I think there's a, a certain player within his organization, Mr. Brady, that would love to do it. I mean, you know, Arians has dealt with him in Pittsburgh, and Arians has dealt with him, you know, and knows the headaches that come with him. But I'm sure Tom's telling him, hey, man, I got him. Don't worry. I got him, Bruce. He's on me. I'll take care of it. Go ahead, Mike, if you want to talk more about Raiders and Bucks. I mean, I think Gruden's right. I don't think whether Abram played or not, I mean, they would have tacked Abram for all this fanfare that he gets. He doesn't cover. He can't cover. He's a run player. I mean, he would have had any, he would have had a hard time covering Gronk or any of those guys back there. I know he's a first round or second round pick or first round pick at the bottom of the first and Terrell and the same thing with Harold. But the reality of it is, is that John's dead on right. They couldn't generate any pass rush. And look, when John can't control the football, over 30 through 33 minutes, he's not going to win games. He knows that. He had the ball 28 minutes. You know, the Bucs did a really good job of, of getting off the field on third down. They had a good enough plan to get off the field. It's a close game. I mean, it's 24 24- it's 24-20, and, you know, they got a chance. If they can get the ball back again, they got a chance in there. And, of course, Brady makes a third down play. They get a penalty. Mike Evans gets – gets get, they get a penalty on Mike Evans. that runs it like an out and up, and they get a penalty. And the next thing you know, it's 31-20-20. Then the next thing you know, they turn the ball over, and now the route's on. So as that score's a little misleading. I mean, because Patriots scored – I mean, excuse me, the Bucks scored 21 points in the fourth to make this really a blowout win. I think, look, the Raiders – it's just don't have enough pass rush when they need the pass rush. And when the offensive line, they did it against Kansas City. They got more rush on Kansas City than they did on Tampa. That's why I think Tampa's offensive line 
is really the unsung uh, hero of the week. As far as actual heroes of the week, Steelers and Titans going head-to-head, a matchup of two unbeaten teams, and the Steelers look great early, and then they fell apart late. They still win the game. They're 6-0 for the first time since 1978. But Ben Roethlisberger threw only one pick in the first five games. He was picked off three times on Sunday. And late in this one, Final drive, Titans in position to possibly take the lead. Tannehill to Brown, 21-yard gain, gives Tennessee the ball. Pittsburgh, 15-yard line with a minute left. On the Titans' next play, defensive end Stephon Tuitt pressure Tannehill, forces an intentional grounding. The Steelers' D forced a short gain and another incompletion with a Titans sent out Kaskowski. And Mike, you had said, didn't you, Stephen Guskowski, this could be important. The kickers come down to it, and Guskowski misses. The Steelers hang on to win. When I look at my numbers, I have Pittsburgh should be the favorite. I don't trust Guskowski. If you take if you take the Titans in a close game, you're saying Guskowski's going to make some tough kicks. I don't know if that's going to be the case. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the reality for me was my numbers said Pittsburgh all the way, and I wasn't going to go against my numbers, even though there was a ton of line movement towards Tennessee, which has now we know line movement's just all noise. I mean, seriously, last weekend, the books took a really, on, on Sunday, the books, the, the, the books, Thomas Gable, the head of the sports book at the Borgata, texted me on Sunday night and said, we had the, one of the worst beatings we've ever had since we've had a sports book here. And, you know, and all that line movement is just noise. I mean, it's really just noise because there was line movement towards, you know, Cincinnati. And, you know, we know Cincinnati was fortunate to cover that because of the miss extra point. All the line movement to Houston, all the line movement to uh, to Tennessee proved to be incorrect. But look, I think Tennessee and Seattle are exactly the same teams. They're exactly the same teams. They can't pressure the quarterback, right? They can't cover in the back end. And... They have to rely on their offense to carry them through. The difference is Myers is a better kicker than Guskowski. And I think Guskowski is going to continue to cost them all year because he does he's not dependable to make the kicks like he once was in his career. And I love him. I mean, I've won two Super Bowls with Steven. And but you just can't when you're in a close game, that kick matters. And it did yesterday, and it proved out to be the winner. The thing that bothered me about that game, AD, was, you know, there is Ben's careless. The one interception he threw got tipped at the line, which that happens, right? But the one he throws, he's in field goal range. They're playing Tampa, too, and he tries to fit the ball, and the safeties are breaking on the ball. There was a And he's trying to fit the ball over the top of the backer in the Tampa. I, at some point, you know you're going to get three there. Like, just take it and go and, you know, play and go from there. You're up six. They they got a touchdown. They got to beat you, you know, and uh, it, it's really uh, it was an it was a they were fortunate because once again, if you when you don't score in the second half, Seattle scored seven points in the second half in their game. Pittsburgh scored three in the second half in their game. When you don't score in the second half, no matter what the lead you get in the first half, you got a good chance to lose. And how about this Titans defense, by the way? I mean, they are dead last in the NFL in third down and red zone efficiency heading into the game. They allowed Pittsburgh to go eight of nine on third down, three of four in the red zone the game's first 30 minutes. I mean, it's tough to buy the Titans when their defense is that lousy. Take a listen to head coach Mike Vrabel and Kaskowski's missed game-tying field goal and his confidence in the kicker moving forward. Confident that he'll make the next one. You know, it's unfortunate. I fully expected him to make it. He expected to make it. You know, it didn't turn out that way. So we, we all have a lot to, to improve on, starting with me. And then, 
know, going all the way down to the, to the coaching staff and the players. Fine. It's only one missed kick, Mike, but this was a big one. I mean, they could have, the 45 yard field goal could have tied the game. That's a rough one to lose. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I get what, what Mike's saying. He's trying to protect his player, but he's got to have the players have doubts now. They have to, right? I mean, the Denver game, go through all the game. They got to have some doubts. And he has, he doesn't have enough. Luff credibility with his teammates there. He did in New England. He doesn't have it there where you don't have to be worried about it. Now, you know, once you get on that bicycle of changing kickers, it's dangerous. But I think they got to do something, AD. I don't know how they can, you know, how do you feel comfortable betting them in a three-point game knowing he's going to make a kick? You don't. That's the bottom line is you don't because now, and then plus that Titans defense, I'm like, God, that red zone D is so brutal. Like, it's funny. After watching that game, I go, Steelers, Super Bowl contenders? Yeah, in the AFC, absolutely. The Titans, I go, all I don't know, man. There's too many holes there. There's only so much that guys like Tannehill and Henry can do. Yeah, I mean, like that's the problem. And you know what's interesting is is they have such a great ground game, you know. And if, when they can control the ball, but look, they play Minnesota. They should have lost, right? They're fortunate they won that game. Fortunate they beat Jacksonville. You know, the tight game. They score on anybody, but their defense they can't cover. And they can't rush. I think Jeffrey Simmons is a good player. You know, we talk about Clowney all the time. I mean, the media has made Clowney into this sensational player. Oh, my God, they got Clowney. I see tweets. Uh, you know, Clowney, has an, he has no sacks. He's got six pressures for the year. You're paying him $15 million a year. You talk about wasting $15 million? I mean, really, you're just throwing it out the window. So that's where I think Tennessee is. Look, and I love Tennessee. I love their offense. I love what Arthur Smith's doing. But you can't you can't hide the fact that their numbers are just horrible. And when they play against a good offense like Pittsburgh, it, it shows up. 100%. When we come back, the Saints get a big win over the Panthers. Andy Dalton suffers a concussion, another brutal loss for the Cowboys. Don't go anywhere. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So the Saints get their most impressive performance of the year, at least offensively, 27-24. to Michael Thomas suffered a hamstring injury earlier in the week. Receiver Emmanuel Sanders tested positive for COVID-19 on Thursday afternoon. So... You get great performances from Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, who Michael Lombardi has always been a fan of, an undrafted rookie receiver, Marquez Callaway. 12 of 14 on third down. They never punted once. 
How about the job by New Orleans and their offense, able to overcome the injuries to the receivers and still put together a solid game plan? Breeze throws for 287, only seven incompletions and two touchdowns. Amazing, right? I mean, Carolina plays, you play zone against them where he can throw that check downs and you make it so easy on him and you can't put any pressure on him that you, you're going to have a hard time beating him. And look, let, let's face it. I mean, give Matt, Matt Rule and the Panthers a ton of credit here. I mean, they're in this game. It's 27-24, and Teddy Bridgewater takes a sack. And I've said this repeatedly on GM Shuffle. Like, there should be a graphic for all the TV sets. Like, when you're in a certain area of the field, when you walk into your quarterback meeting room, there should be a field on, in that meeting room, a, a giant field. And it should be a visual so every quarterback knows, we can't take a sack here. We can't take a sack here, right? And Teddy Bridgewater took a sack in one of those areas. You can't do it. The ball's got to come out quick. You got to do something. You know, now I throw, he's got a post that looks like it was open. I couldn't see it on the coaching tape yet, but nonetheless, he didn't pull the pin on it. He got pressure. He takes the sack. And I mean, the kid's going to make the field goal if it's 10 yards closer than it was. If he doesn't take the sack, we're going to overtime. Now, do I think the Saints might win in overtime? Probably do. But you give, I'll tell you what I love about the, the Panthers is they got, they don't quit, they keep playing hard. And I think Brady is a really good play caller. I think, you know, Brady understands how to set up a game plan, unlike my man in, in Dallas and Kellen Moore. This guy knows how to get it going. He gives the quarterback easy throws, and they move the football effectively. And they've done this without McCaffrey. Now, I don't know if he's going to play Thursday night. We say he's expected. I think he's probably going to be back after the Thursday night game. But nonetheless, you know, I mean, I think the Panthers do a, do have done really. They're, they're what the Panthers are doing is going from bad to good. They're not great yet. They're they're a team that's seven and nine, eight and eight. But they're taking those steps to get good, and that's what you got to give them credit for. McCaffrey could come back from that injury, as you mentioned. Thursday night football. The following week, the Panthers play the Chiefs. So there's a big game there. You'd want your offense clicking. Maybe McCaffrey comes back then. Take a listen to head coach Sean Payton in New Orleans being without his top two wide receivers and still pulling it out. Yeah, look, one thing we know is the games are going to be played. Um, there's a couple other teams dealing with some <clears throat> pretty extreme adversity. And, uh, you know, honestly, no, no, one, no one else outside your building really cares. So um, I'm proud of how our guys focused and, uh, and, and found a way to get the win. How about Alvin Kamara? Just a thought on his versatility, Mike. He joins Christian McCaffrey and Roger Craig, the only three players with at least 2,500 rushing and 2,500 receiving yards through their first four seasons. You talk about a dual threat. Kamara's your guy. It's unbelievable. And I mean, I really, as great as Michael Thomas is and as, and as good as Emmanuel Sanders is, without Kamara... You know, and see, this is why you can pay Kamar. Kamara's a weapon in the passing game. He is truly a weapon in the passing game. You know, for he gets you 83 yards on the ground, 14 carries. It's almost six yards a carry. Then he goes out and he gets you eight more touches in the passing game. They targeted him eight times. He catches it. It's really remarkable when you look at the when you look at the stat sheet in this game. Who was targeted and who got catches? It's like it was pinpoint. Like they had the perfect play called against the defense every single time. And the Panthers did the same thing. I mean, the Panthers are six for nine on third down, 67%. And the one third down that they couldn't convert is the one Teddy takes a sack on. Think about how close this game was. And the Panthers only had the ball 25 minutes. Once again, less defense, always better. 34, almost 35 minutes of the game, they control the ball. They're 12 for 14 on third down. 
you, you got to change up what you're doing on third down if you're going to win that game. But credit the Saints. I mean, that's the one beautiful thing about Sean Payton's offense is it's really centered around for all the window dressing. If you don't stop Kamara in everything he does, you're going to get your ass beat. Definitely a remarkable player. He steps up big time for the Hall of Fame coach and his Hall of Fame quarterback. Speaking of quarterbacks, Dallas Cowboys quarterback Andy Dalton suffering a concussion and a loss to Washington. This is just a disaster right now in Big D. Dak Prescott's out with a right ankle injury, dislocated, and a compound fracture. Dalton comes in. You go, all right. You know, listen, he's been a starting quarterback with the Bengals. He can do some things. You got Ezekiel Elliott. No, I mean, he was terrible before he got hurt. Nine of 19 for 75 yards, sacked three times. He lost a fumble in the Cowboys' first possession, which led to a safety. That's right. Washington was leading 2 nothing, like a hockey scorer. And instead, he gets hurt in his second start in place of Dak. Hit to the head from linebacker John Bostic as he slid to the turf. 622 left. Bostic ejected from the game. It's the kind of injury, obviously, the league would like to get rid of. It's sad to see. It's scary to see. And that means rookie Ben Danucci comes in the game. And of course, Mike, my first thought was, this guy isn't exactly Don Fanucci from The Godfather 2. Ben Danucci has some work to do as the Cowboys lose again. This is a disaster right now. You know, it's one of those where where do you even go? Like, where do you start to fix the problem. She got, you know, pad communication on on defense. She got an offense that's horrible. You know, you got a quarterback who's won 81 games and you know it almost looks like he's never played football before when he's out there. Again, you have no strengths. You got a running back you're paying all this money to who should be the Camaro of your team and yet you don't really know how to use them like Camaro. Like I just ask think about this. If Sean Payton were running the Cowboys, what do you think that would look like? He'd he listen, he'd be so much more inventive, right? He would think of different things. McCarthy just the beat cop again. Yeah, I mean and, and and Mike's over there and he's not calling the game. His team, he's mad his team didn't respond to to when when Bostic took out the quarterback. Well, well shit, you know, you got to put the dog in the team. You know, the team's got to take your personality. You know, you got to be the guy who's the dog. I mean, if they're not going to, if they're not reacting, that means they're telling you they're not listening to you. I don't know what to tell Mike. I mean, like, I don't know. Mike became a CEO all of a sudden and he's just standing there. I mean, I, the one thing about the cowboy job, it's amazing to me is they can turn you into a goddamn a, a sideline spectator. I don't know why they just don't give the, the guy who coaches the Cowboys a suite up on next to Jerry and just let him watch because the guy does nothing during the game. Like, like, you think they set up a—I mean, and how about this? No one's talking about this either. If Rivera doesn't do the stupid thing and go for two in, in, in New York, he's 3-0 and in the division. He's going to beat everybody. Now he's 2-1. and He's beaten Philly and he's beaten Dallas. He should have beaten Washington. And his team stinks. Yeah, it's, it's such a lousy division. There's no question about it. Let's take a listen to head coach Mike McCarthy as he try to assess the Cowboys. They're running out of time right now. Really didn't get the run game going. As, uh, as we had planned, and, and then with that, um, they ran the ball too well against us. So uh, not, not, a very, not a very good day. Uh, the unfortunate injury there to Andy obviously shifted us in a different direction uh, offensively, but it's not what we're looking for. Uh, we, need, we need to be much better, and we're running out of time. Yeah, no doubt about it. And a thought here on the running game on both sides, Mike. Washington had 208 yards rushing. Antonio Gibson, who? 128 yards on 20 carries. Third time the past four games, the Cowboys have allowed at least 200 yards in the ground. That is a deplorable run defense. And offensively, you know, just if you looked at it from 10,000 feet, you'd say, hang on a second. What happened to this great Cowboys offensive line? What happened to Zeke just getting the ball 25 times a game? Like, it's embarrassing how the running game on both sides 
is a disaster. It, it really is. I mean, they get 142 yards. The great Kellen Moore produces 142. He's three for 12 on third down. He can't design a run. He can't design a pass. Meanwhile, Nolan's over there. He can't stop. At some point, you know, you're not that bad on defense where you can just give up 200. Like, it, it isn't all just players. It's communication. It's players, coaches, and scheme. And 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 once again, you know, you're the guy running the team. Jerry Jones, you got to fix it. This is your mess. Like you got to, you're the one in the building. You got to be able to determine because remember, I wrote this in Gridiron Genius. When you're running an NFL team, you're in the veterinarian business. The patient doesn't talk to you. You got to figure it out. And the Cowboys, it's bad in all three phases, and the, and it's going to continue to get bad. Like they're they haven't covered a spread all year. Like you're going to like everybody talks about the Jets. You know the Jets are tanking and everybody how bad they are and everybody's making money on picking against the Jets. No, everybody's making money picking against the Cowboys. Let's be honest. I mean, they're making you're making a fortune. Yeah, and the Cowboys are definitely running out of time. Even in that awful division, there's just no hope to see the Cowboys turning this around anytime soon. After the break, weekly awards for week seven, including which team, or is it which teams are on the land this week? That's next. All right, time now for the Lombardis, the weekly awards here on the Lamb. You've got a couple of teams here, right, Mike? Well, I think, you know, let's face it. I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, if the Cowboys and the Patriots aren't on the Lamb, who goes on the Lamb? Like, seriously. Like, who goes to West Cape May if those two aren't in West Cape May? I mean, they got a lot of work to do, and I'm sure the Patriots are going to work their tail off to get it better. I don't know what the Cowboys are going to do. I mean, the Cowboys are a more talented team than New England. Right now in New England, what I'm, what I'm worried about when I watch New England is they don't have great speed on defense. They're relatively younger on defense, and their young players aren't taking a step. Chase Vinovich, I think he played 11 plays last night. He's supposed to be their pass rusher, but he's not doing what he needs to do, so he's played less. I mean, the, there is... There is obviously concerns with their offensive line, especially Tooney got hurt yesterday. So they got a lot of work to do. The Cowboys, to me, I just feel like they're all tone deaf to listening to what McCarthy's saying because it never gets any better. It never gets any better. And then if they have to go into Fanuch, if Fanuch has got to play, you know, and... <laughs> I'm literally watching Danucci and I go, okay, how quickly are Mike and I are just going to call this guy Fanucci? Like, we don't care. I don't care that his name is Danucci. We're calling him Fanucci. <laughs> He's Fanucci. Yeah, Don Fanucci's got to go play. I mean, that's going to be impossible. Poor kid. I mean, could you imagine being... Uh, you're, 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 the, you're a young quarterback from James Madison. You had a great career there. And you're going to go in and play Philly with their pass rushers. And, and you got Kellen Moore, who has no interest in protecting a quarterback or knows how to protect a quarterback. Like, seriously, it's a mismatch. Kellen Moore versus Jim Schwartz. What do you think that line's going to be? And whatever it is, <laughs> bet, it, bet against it. Definitely not a fair fight. That's a mess. Uh, Fred Palermo Award. Best game plan going into the week. What a job by Arians and company, huh? Yeah, I mean, look, they were, they were good. I think, I, I think t- you know, Todd Bowles did a great job, but look, they went out there, they put 45 on them. A lot of people, there was a lot of line movement towards towards once the once the Vegas players were coming back, you know, there was movement there. But I, I think in the reality of it is, is the Bucs finally looked like they had their rhythm yesterday offensively. They had a really good Fournette ran the ball hard. He had a couple check downs that he caught. He broke it up in there. You know, Ronald Jones, like I said, they didn't even have McCoy in the game, which is probably the right thing to do. So give them credit. I mean, I, I mean, Washington's offense, which is so bad, it shows you, I mean, 
mean, Washington was the 32nd worst offense in all of football and could have been lower. They're actually worse than the Jets, and they gained 200 yards on the Cowboys. Think about that. That's pretty insane that you're able to do that with that kind of an offensive performance. If you don't know, now you know. What is the main takeaway from this week of football? Well, I think there's a couple of them, right? I think Pittsburgh's really a good team. I think they're a complete team. And, and in an era where we don't have a lot of complete teams, I think the Steelers are one. They're really good on defense. They 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 showed some some liability late in the game in the second half. They gave up they gave up 17 points in the second half, but they hold a really good offense to 24 points. That I think that's really good. So I think they're really a complete team. I think the Bucks are a really complete team too. I think yesterday's win in Las Vegas proved that they and they got stronger as the game went on. And having a complete team. I think the other thing we learned on Sunday 2 AD is is that when Mayfield can have a running game going, there's throws he can make that he looks really good. And there's going to be times in Mayfield's career where he's so far up and down. But when he has those moments, and Burrow, I thought, was sensational. You know, the one thing about the, the Brownies is their defense is not very good. This is another week. This is seven weeks in a row now they've given up over 30 points. They're just not very good. So defensively, and that's going to be a liability for them. So those are the things to me that jumped out. I think Denver, you know, I think Denver made a real mistake. To me, if I'm John Elway sitting in my office today, you know, we put everything in Drew Locke and it don't look like Drew Locke's going to be the guy. Like we're going to be a quarterback short in a division that we need a quarterback. Now we've won two games already. Maybe we'll we should lose the rest of the year, and maybe we'll get Justin Fields or some of those other guys. We're not going to get two wins is not going to get you Trevor Lawrence. But I think that, that I think you have to come to week seven of the season. There has to be a reality check if you're the general manager, and you got to say, okay, here's where my team really is, and what do we need to do to go forward? You know, the Patriots have a list of things they've got to do. The 49ers are, are surviving these injuries, but they're doing what they're doing. Seattle knows they have no defense. Arizona is a sleeper. I mean, Arizona played their ass off. Isaiah Simmons made a play yesterday, first play he made all season on the interception. I don't think I think it might have been the only play he was in the game for. I couldn't find him on the tape. I couldn't find him in the game, and yet he did it. So I think at this time of the year, AD, you know where you are as a team and that and the moves you make or how you develop the players from this point forward separates the men from the boys. Yeah, just a thought, a little drive-by here in Arizona-Seattle. I mean, for Russell Wilson, a three-interception night. Arizona's now 5-2. and two. They're second in the NFC West. Uh, they got the Rams playing Monday night. We'll talk with the Rams in just a second. But how about Cliff Kingsbury? He nearly cost the Cardinals the game earlier in overtime. He iced Gonzalez with 2.47 left on second and 15. Gonzalez made the initial kick, but it didn't count. He missed the next one. And Kingsley said afterwards, it was pretty bad, pretty much a complete debacle. But luckily, those guys bailed us out. I got conservative. I went for the field goal, and then we did not execute. We were about to get a delay a game, had to take a timeout, kind of freeze our own kicker. It was about as bad. Have a coaching job as possible by me. I liked his honesty. Uh, it was really good. I mean, and you know, by the way, Isaiah Simmons played five plays in that game. The first pick and the draft, the, their first round pick. They don't have a position for him now. Maybe this interception will propel him, but he has not been a very uh, exciting player. As much as the fanfare as he got in terms of his athleticism, he doesn't even. He played five plays. And here's the scary part about it. He only played seven plays in the kicking game. Think about that. A guy with that size and that speed only played seven plays in the kicking game. And Arizona's won five games and their first round pick can't contribute. Yeah. I mean, Cliff, I thought really messed it up. I mean, Russell throws the one interception. He kind of lobs it and Baker comes back on it. And DK makes that incredible run to track him down. Imp- imp- impressive effort. 
Incredible speed. What a play, right? The second one, he's trying to throw the ball to DK down the field. And he's thinking DK's going to make a play on it. And DK kept running in. And Peterson got his feet in bounds. That's one of those that kind of... And then the third one, I don't know what happened. I don't know why he threw it. it. He threw it where he threw it. Simmons picked it up, but I don't know where it was going to. And that kind of won the game. But Kingsbury... Look, I, I think what Arizona has done, so they, this past year, they went into their offseason. They knew they had to get better in red zone. They knew they had to get better in red zone defense, and they've made improvements in those areas, and I think that's those improvements are why they've been able to compete. And last week when I said take Arizona in the points, I would have done it because I'm scared to death of it, but for me, you know, that was my, what my numbers said. And, and by the way, last week, AD, my numbers were 12-1. and one. The only game I lost last week on the numbers was Cleveland. And I missed that goddamn extra point. <laughs> Pretty good work, though. The numbers. I would have been. I would have been thirteen and zero last week on the numbers. <laughs> I, and the only one I probably I don't know. I didn't play San Francisco. I didn't really have a, a a fit. The line was San Francisco should have been favored by one. It ended up. I think New England was given three, so I would have taken San Francisco. Although I didn't really play it, so everyone in there. You know, it, it went just like, I don't know if that's ever going to happen again, but it happened last week. Speaking of the numbers, the Sunday night, Seattle and Arizona combined for 1,091 yards. That's the most in a regular season game in seven years, since 2013. So if you liked offense, the Sunday nighter was the game for you. What do you think the breakdown is going to be? That was an incredible game. Major League Baseball was right up against it, right? Weren't they up against it last night? Yeah, this is what I was about to say. So the first three games of the World Series weren't very good. They're all duds. I mean, there was no lead changes, fairly straightforward. Game four was an instant classic. I mean, from the sixth inning on, lead changes every inning. And then that last final play, Jansen blows it for the Dodgers. You get two errors in the final play. It was like a little league play. Chris Taylor screws up in center. Will Smith at home on the relay for Muncie. But I had the same thought as you, Mike. I said Saturday, a lot of people are watching college football. And then last night, game five of the World Series, Kershaw was terrific. But you're up against Sunday Night Football. So I think ratings-wise, it's it's not great for baseball when you're going up against football. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why they would do that, but obviously they they, they want it and they need to get it in. But I mean, that game was incredible. Although you know, I don't know. Sometimes I think I think Al needs to go to the doctor. I think Al can, Al Michaels having a hard time seeing. Because like that touchdown to Carlos Hyde, he thought he was out of bounds. The guy was never even close to being out of bounds. I don't want to pick on anybody because you're right. He's a broadcasting legend. But 76 years of age, Mike Tirico is going to be taken over in another year or two. And that was trending on Twitter. I mean, I hadn't seen it. And if you haven't seen it, take a look. To, to Mike's point, Hyde scores a touchdown. And for 20 seconds after, Al still hasn't called it. He's like, well, I think he stepped out. Must have stepped out. You still see celebration. You see the coaches are fired. He's still like, well, let's take a look. And the replay, no, did not step out. Like it's, it was a bad way. Like just call the touchdown. If they call it back, that's fine. You can always reverse it. He did the same thing on the field goal. And I love Al. I think Al's tremendous. I mean, his voice is soothing. He gives me comfort, but I'm just saying, I think he either needs to wear binoculars when he's watching or something. He's not seeing it, you know, because it's hard. I know it's hard. That's a hard job to do. Right. But the reality of it is, is it's, it's, it's a vital job. And, you know, like the, 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 I think the winning field goal, it took him forever to make that. It's good. You know, like, <laughs> you know, it was good. Yeah, it wasn't great. Uh, Monday Night Football, the Bears, somehow they're five and one. Nick Foles at quarterback defense has played really well. They're taking on the Rams. One of my favorite lines of the year, as you said, when it comes to Goff, as long as he can check the runners at first and third, he's going to be fine. That could be a problem against that Bears defense. Who do you like tonight? I like the Bears if Max playing. If Max playing, don't play the game. 
I'm gonna and I'm gonna make that clear. I'm not gonna have this go towards my one loss record if Matt's if Mac is a scratch in the game. But my numbers say take the Bears. My numbers say that this should be a basically my numbers say that this should be a six point game, a four and a half point game, and you're gonna get six with the game. So anytime you get more points than you think you should get, always take the other team. So I'm gonna take Chicago. Like Tampa Bay, I had Tampa Bay have being a seven point eight favorite. 7.81 favorite over the, the 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 Raiders. The line opened up at three. I think it moved to four. So clearly, if it's only four, and I think it should be a seven and eight, almost an eight point game. I'm taking the I'm taking Tampa Bay. So that's kind of how I always do it, and and it worked out. So you know, I think that's what I would say. And hopefully, I don't jinx myself, but I'll take Chicago in the six. All right, Bears and Rams coming up tonight. And as always, please go to Apple Podcasts to support us. You can subscribe to the GM Shuffle, rate and review M Lombardi NFL on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm at Adnan S. Ferk, and at the GM Shuffle is also available on Instagram. And on a personal milestone, 150 episodes of Cinephile. We had 78 at ESPN, 72 here under the Cadence 13 banner, my movie podcast. And for me and Mike now, of course, he did GM Street. Great job with Tate Frazier all those years, The Ringer. But now GM Shuffle, we're at 117 episodes. So pretty good, Mike. We're over the century mark here. Yeah, we're getting, uh, we're, we're making a run here. I think that's awesome. We're, our durability is impressive. Remember, durability is just as important as ability. I think that's great. And Cinephile is awesome. Uh, the question I had for you is, next week, I think we will be able to record on Thursday afternoon so, because there'll be no baseball, right? Baseball should be over by then, correct? Correct. So, so we'll have this up Friday morning. And I'm excited next week. Hopefully, we will be talking to, which I think people should listen to this. It's one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. It's called Whistleblower. And we're going to have Tim on next week, who is who runs it, Tim Livingston. And we're going to have him on next week. It's a fascinating story about the referee scandal in the NBA and about David Stern and about all the pieces that come together. I think it's really one of the most compelling podcasts I've ever listened to. It deserves your attention if you're willing to, if you, if you want to listen to that. My man, Larry from Cadence turned me on to it. Thank you, Larry. And uh, hopefully we'll be back next Thursday. Right, AD? That's right. Thursday afternoon, we'll be recording. We'll get the podcast as soon as possible. Thanks for the support. We'll talk to you guys soon.